everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today I want to talk to you about probably one of the most important messages that I have ever learned in my spiritual life, and that is how to resist the enemy, how to resist Satan's attacks in your life. Now we've talked in other episodes about overcoming fear, and I've mentioned this, but I want to go into it a little deeper today because I feel like so many Christians miss this important reality that God has given us authority over all the power of the enemy. And so often we either don't realize that some of the challenges we're facing in our lives are coming from the enemy, so we don't know to resist, or we tend to blame things that the enemy's doing in our life on God, and it can really put a barrier in our intimacy with Christ. And I know for the first several years that I was in ministry, right after Eric and I got married, we were under constant attack from the enemy. I've said before that it, it felt like we had, once we stepped into ministry, we just kind of grabbed a baseball bat, hit a hornet's nest, and the hornets were coming at us, but then we realized we couldn't move because our feet were stuck in concrete. And that's really what it felt like. We weren't equipped to resist the enemy, and yet we had stepped into ministry and we suddenly had a target on our head. The enemy did not like what we were doing. And I will definitely say that if you are doing anything of significance for the kingdom of God, even if if you don't feel that your life is making much of a difference, if you're serving others, if you're giving hope to anyone, if you're sharing the gospel with anyone, if you're serving in any kind of ministry situation, the enemy does not like what you're doing and he will be attacking you and harassing you. But the good news is that we don't need to accept that. And that's not the way God has called us to live is in constant defeat from the enemy. In fact, he desires us to be proactive and offensive in his kingdom rather than defensive and constantly fighting off attacks from the enemy. We're to be proactive and offensive, waging war on the kingdom of darkness and building God's kingdom. We, Eric and I, had so many things that we did not recognize were attacks from the enemy because there are definitely trials and tests of faith that God allows into our lives. And we had a hard time discerning the difference between the trials that God was allowing for the purpose of refining our character and teaching us patience and teaching us faith and godly perseverance versus the attacks of the enemy. And one of the things we began to realize is that the enemy's intent was to hinder us from doing what God had called us to do. God's intent in bringing challenges and trials or allowing them in our life was to strengthen us so that we'd be more effective at doing what he had called us to do. So for instance, if he was bringing in a, a test of faith where we were short financially for something we really felt called to do, and we learned how to wrestle in prayer and really believe that he would be faithful, that actually strengthened our spiritual lives, especially as we begin to see him answer prayer and show himself faithful, even though it wasn't an easy thing to walk through, to be short financially for, for a need that we had in our ministry, when we gave it to God and we trusted in his faithfulness and we, we stood upon the promises of scripture and we watched him provide, it was a very strengthening thing for our ministry and for our walk with God. On the other hand, when the enemy would attack us, oftentimes it would be... Um, extreme sickness right before we were supposed to speak or minister, we would be so sick that we wouldn't be able to do it, especially me. This was an area that I got hit in a lot or very um, extreme 
false accusation, betrayal, things that really brought discord into the body of Christ, uh, a lot of defeat, a lot of things that brought anxiety and depression and really hindered us from moving forward in the ministry that God had called us to. So maybe you can relate to some of those things. The enemy's fruit breeds things like fear, anxiety, depression, guilt, confusion, insecurity, doubt, uh, spiritual defeat. Those are kind of the fruit of the attacks of the devil. Those are the things we are to resist. And then God's refinement in our lives brings definitely tests of faith and definitely things that are challenging to walk through, but it brings with it hope and strength and a deeper maturity and patience and a stronger faith. If you think about uh, people who have had to go through persecution, if they responded properly to that test, so often they come out of that situation stronger than when they went into it. Now, they may not be stronger physically. Uh, They may have gone through really horrific things, but spiritually, they are strong. God built their faith strong through those trials. But then if you talk to someone who's just been pummeled by the enemy constantly, they will oftentimes be wallowing in, in guilt or confusion or doubt because the enemy has just so beaten them down and they haven't known how to resist. It says in James 4, 7, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So clearly there are things we are to submit ourselves to and there are things we are to resist. And we need to know the difference between the two. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11 says that we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that we are to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand the wiles or the attacks or the deception, the subtlety of the devil. So clearly we are meant to be offensive and not defensive, that we are to know what the enemy is up to and we are to have that armor of God firmly in place so that he does not win a victory over our lives. We are to have that conquering attitude Attitude, not an attitude of, of fear and worry when what's going to happen to me next. I don't know what the enemy is going to do to me or why are all these horrible things happening to me? God must hate me. You know, we wallow in things like that. But really, it's just the work of the enemy that we aren't resisting. Catherine Booth, who was the co-founder of the Salvation Army, wrote to one of her daughters who was in her young adult years, do not give way to lowness while you are young. Rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer. We certainly cannot conquer the wiles of the devil in our own strength, but in the strength of God, in his armor, in his might, in his power, we have everything that we need to have power and authority over the enemy. So how do we know what to resist and what to expect? There's a godly pain, which is very similar to maybe if you've ever trained for a marathon or if you've ever really wanted to get in shape, there is pain and discomfort that comes from training and from disciplining your body, but it's a good pain. It's it's leading you somewhere into greater strength and greater athletic ability. And if there were no pain associated with it, then you certainly wouldn't get stronger, but it's a good kind of pain, a pain that has, has a purpose and a hope. And then enemy pain, is sort of like just being beaten down. There's no hope associated with it. There's just sort of, um, you know, confusion, doubt, disillusionment, and there's no really light at the end of the tunnel. So think about God's nature versus the enemy's nature. God is light. The enemy is dark. God is life. The enemy is death. God is the father of lights, and the enemy is the father of lies. God brings godly discipline into our life out of love. The enemy brings condemnation and abuse. 
And God is a, as a good shepherd, the enemy is a roaring lion breathing out threats. So look at the fruit of what's happening in your life to determine whether something's coming from God or the enemy. And really, the enemy has no ability to harass us unless we allow him to. Leonard Ravenhill wrote, Satan fools and feigns, blows and bluffs, and we so often take his threats to heart and forget the exceeding greatness of God's power to us. I think a great picture of resisting the enemy can be found in the book of Nehemiah as he was attempting to build the wall around Jerusalem. It had broken down and the the survivors who were left there were really in a vulnerable place. Anyone could come in at any time and attack them. And it says in Nehemiah 1.3, the survivors who are left from the captivity are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. And he began to say, I want to become fortified. I want to see the the city of Jerusalem fortified once again with this wall. And it's such a great picture of the fortification that God wants to build around our spiritual lives. Eric and I went through a process after feeling like we were just being attacked time and time again by the enemy, not knowing what to do about it. First of all, we began to recognize these things as enemy attacks and not just things that we should use as excuses to be angry with God, but to say, no, this is the enemy that's attacking me. What tools has God given me to resist and to lift up that shield of faith so that he cannot have the victory here? And as we did that, God began to lead us through a process of spiritual fortification. It was very similar to Nehemiah's process of fortifying that wall in the book of Nehemiah. The first step in the fortification process for us was to identify breaches or holes, areas of our spiritual wall that were broken down, that were allowing the enemy access. It says in Isaiah 33, 15 through 16, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He despises the gain of oppressions. He gestures with his hands, refusing bribes. He stops his ears from hearing bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him and his water will be sure. So you're seeing this picture here, someone who is walking uprightly before God, who is deliberately shutting his ears from hearing and seeing evil, shutting his ears and eyes to those things. God will give him that defense of the fortress of rocks. But so often we're allowing those sinful strongholds into our lives. And by doing that, we're allowing the enemy to have access into our lives. So it's so important to come to God and say, Lord, what access points does the enemy have? Am I giving him any access into my life? Am I allowing sinful activities, um, willful knowing sin, that I have no intention of renouncing because if I'm doing that, I know that I'm giving the enemy legal right to be there and to harass me. Some of the most common breaches we often have in our lives would be idolatry or unforgiveness, resentment, selfishness and pride, unhealthy relationships, maybe worldly preoccupations. And that's a huge one. Eric and I were convicted by that in this time. We were just allowing a lot of the influences of the world to, and we were meditating on things that were very ungodly under the banner of entertainment. And we had unforgiveness that we needed to walk through towards people who had hurt us and other things that God brought to the surface. So we began to confess those sins and remove the enemy's access and seal up those breaches in our lives. The second step for us was making a sacred list. And we called it a sacred list because we wanted God to have victory in these areas of our lives. There were areas the enemy had gained a victory in, and we wanted to turn the tables and say, no, these are going to be areas that showcase the glory of God and not triumph for the enemy. So we made this list. We called it our sacred list. And we began to go into the third step of fortification, which was wrestling in prayer until the breakthrough came. And so often I think we stop short. Maybe the enemy had 
has a victory in our life in a certain area. And instead of really pressing through until that breakthrough comes in prayer and in resisting, we just kind of give up after a while. If you think about the woman who was coming to Jesus on behalf of her demon-possessed daughter, at first he doesn't answer her. And then he says that he cannot take the bread that was meant for the children and cast it to the little dog. So first he ignores her. Then he says no. And then she finally continues to press that desire, that um, that plea, that appeal. And he finally says, great is your faith. He was actually testing her faith. He wasn't trying to say no or to ignore her. He wanted to test her faith. And he used her faith as an example for how we are to pray and wrestle until the breakthrough comes. Ian Bounds wrote, he prays not at all who does not press his plea. Our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires, a persistency which will not be denied, and a courage that never fails. Charles Spurgeon wrote, there's a general kind of praying which fails for lack of precision. It's as if a regiment of soldiers should all fire off their guns anywhere. Possibly somebody would be killed, but the majority of the enemy would be missed. So often that's the way we pray. Just these broad general prayers, we're afraid to be specific because we don't want uh, to you know, have our prayers not be answered and then become disillusioned. But really, when you pray specifically and you wrestle in prayer for the, the areas of victory that you know God wants to, to give you in your life, you know that he desires victory over sin and victory over doubt and confusion in these different areas, maybe the enemy has gained a victory and you know that's not God's plan and purpose for you. When you begin to pray very specifically, wrestle in prayer until that breakthrough comes, you begin to see um, incredible things happen. And that's actually a faith builder, not something that's going to weaken your faith. Now, it's really important to know that the purpose of being fortified and strong against Satan's attacks is not so that you can just live in ease and comfort and have a a life that never has any tension or conflict. In fact, the, the Christian life is meant to be a narrow road. It's a difficult road. It's taking up our cross and following him. We will experience persecution. We will experience trials and tests of faith. The purpose of fortification is so that we will be made strong against the enemy's attacks to be poured out, to be the hands and feet in Christ. To this, of Christ to this lost and dying world. Because if we're constantly fighting off the enemy and dealing with our own issues and our own struggles and our own defeat, we really cannot be mighty ambassadors for the gospel. So God wants to make us strong against the forces of Satan in our lives so that we can be poured out for him, not so that we can live a life of selfish ease and comfort. The last step in fortification is to be on guard against opposition. You need to know that the minute you start resisting Satan, he's going to put you to the test and come at you with even more assault at first to see if you really mean it. Leonard Ravenhill said, men of prayer must be men of steel for they will be assaulted by Satan even before they attempt to assault his kingdom. And Amy Carmichael wrote, our enemy is more aware than we are of the spiritual possibilities that depend on obedience. We should never be surprised that he seeks by assault, and if that fails, by undermining our defenses to compel us to give way. And you see this in the book of Nehemiah. All the enemies of Jerusalem heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed and they became very angry and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. It says that in Nehemiah 4, 7, and 8. 
And here's how Nehemiah and the people who were building the wall responded. We made a prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords and spears and bows. And I said to the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. Isn't that such an incredible picture when we resist the enemy, when we put on the armor of God, when we say we are not going to accept this attack because the power of our God is greater than the power of the enemy, greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. What will happen is that the enemies will see, the enemies of our soul will see that we are standing in the power of God and that God will bring their plot to nothing and we will be able to return to the work that God has called us to. So if Satan is attacking you in any area of your life, if there's defeat, if there's doubt, if there's confusion, I encourage you to tap into the amazing power of God, recognize the authority that you have in Jesus Christ, that greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world, and begin to resist Satan's attacks. Submit to God and resist the devil, and you will begin to be proactive and offensive rather than defensive in your spiritual life. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into this subject of resisting Satan's attack and becoming a strong and fortified Christian, go to setapartgirl.com and look at our online courses. There, there's one in particular called Fearless Living that will really encourage you and give you even um, more detail on how to tap into these weapons of your spiritual warfare. I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.